I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. IMG Academy in Florida is the elite prep school training Division I college athletes and also hosting high-profile professional ballplayers. In order to be successful in sports, one major vertical that has become extremely important is the impact of exercise, training, nutrition, health, and wellness. IMG has specialized in developing experts in this area. In fact, many have gone on into professional teams and in the Division I programs. Our guest today has spent 18 years working in a variety of strength development wellness programs with all the elite sports at IMG and with Olympic athletes that have won gold medals and with first round draft picks in both the NBA and the NFL. Our guest is bright, individually focused on being able to develop and maximize performance, not only with individuals, but teams, and does so in a scientific yet humanized way. Our guest, Stefan Visk. Welcome, friends. We have a, a special guest, an individual who has studied exercise physiology, specifically as it relates to the athlete. And we're talking about athletes across the board, whether it be football, basketball, hockey, you name it. Steph Vizek has been involved in, in the nature and science of sports for the last 18 years that he spent at IMG. And for most of you, uh, you know that IMG is the elite university prep school in the world that trains athletes. And Steph has been a major part of the success that IMG has enjoyed with their athletic success and with the development of their athlete. So Steph, just philosophically, when you think about building a program for an athlete or for a program, where do you begin? Yeah, whenever you, we get an athlete in here, they're going to want to train right away. So we're going to try to train as soon as we can. But before we even do that, we have to really evaluate them. We want to have them go through a full comprehensive evaluation. If we have access to a physical therapist, we'll let the physical therapist do it. If not, then we have to do that evaluation ourselves. And we're looking at how does the body function? Does the body function well together? Does the kinetic chains work together? Do the right muscles fire at the right time in the right order so that you can achieve athletic success? It's, it's a very comprehensive thing, just evaluating the athlete because 
as a trained coach, you're always watching the athlete as they come into the weight room. You're always evaluating them. It's not just the the manual muscle tests or the the muscle firing test that you're looking at. You're you're also studying how they move and how dynamic they are, not necessarily in that that closed chain environment, but something a little bit more open, a little bit more athletic. That really helps helps us determine where we need to pinpoint. But then that's just the the initial consultation, right? When we really get deep into it, we want to get the technology portion of it. So there's been things that we've utilized in the past year, such as force plate technology, uh, markered motion capture. Talk about what those are. Help I mean, our audience isn't as experienced in it as you are. So yeah. explain each one of those uh, instruments that you use to be able to measure uh, an yeah. athlete's ability. So whenever we get the athlete in and we we have them jump on the force plate, we do a counter movement jump. So we have our hands on our hips. And we give them three maximal attempts at the jump, kind of like what you would see in the, the combine with the Vertec, but now you're measuring the forces underneath your feet. Every once in a while, the announcers will talk about how there is force plates underneath their feet, and that's a more recent development. And we're looking at how fast can somebody create force into the ground and what's the most force that they can create. But not only that, we're looking at imbalances. Is there an imbalance of right leg versus left leg? Is there an imbalance of the kinetic chain? Do they maximize their ability to transfer force across their foot, ankle, knee to hip to achieve maximal power into the ground? Those force plates aren't just for jumping. They could be utilized for strength training too. So we utilize them with an isometric mid-thigh pull. So all we're doing is we're trying to drive as hard as we can, kind of like a deadlift, as hard as we can, trying to find out how much force we can put in. But it's also how quickly can we put that force into the ground? So if we can put more force in quickly, then I'm going to be able to either knock the other person off the ball or I'm going to be able to uh, provide more speed or acceleration out of whatever change of direction I'm doing or out of a stopped position. And that's going to give me a huge advantage on the field or the court. So when you think about this uh, and you understand it, what's an example of, uh, of a really good number as it relates to the force play, as it relates to, first of all, the vertical jump and then the, the deadlift uh, example. Yeah, so on the, the vertical jump, right, whenever most people are just going to talk about inches, right? If I'm a wide receiver, I'm trying to get over 42, really trying to get 44, 47 is some of those maximal numbers. Um, for the vertical, but when I'm looking at power, I'm looking at watts, right? So the amount of force that, that gravity is producing and I have to exert on my body weight. Um, the more watts mean the more power. So I might have a really big guy, an offensive lineman that can produce an immense amount of force into the ground, say 9,000 watts, um, but his vertical jump may only be 24, 26 inches. Whereas I might have a wide receiver that can jump 42 inches on this vertical, but because he only weighs a buck 95, he might only hit uh, 4,400 watts or 5,000 watts uh, of power. So when you build a program, let's say, for example, you work closely with basketball at IMG. How did you go about building a program that could be utilized at different levels uh, within the uh, within the, the with within the confines of the of the basketball program? So we, we did evaluations on everybody. Like I said at the beginning of the talk, we 
we looked at what their kinetic chain was doing, finding out what their imbalances are, right versus left, finding out where those force leaks are. But then we always have to pay attention to the, the growth curve, right? We can't introduce too complex of exercises to our young athletes. So we would keep them a little bit simpler, really work on their technique as the foundation. Then once they get past PHV or peak height velocity, basically once you're mature, then your body's really susceptible for putting on a lot of strength and power into your athleticism, right? And that's mostly done through free weight exercises. Um, and we would hit the free weight exercises pretty hard and it would always adjust based on the time of the year, right? We don't want to be too fatigued for the games that we need to be peak for, but we also want to be able to keep making gains all year round. It always culminates. I always think about it from my professionals, right? Almost all my athletes want to become D1 athletes or professional athletes. And, and those guys come in at their off seasons during the year. And that's really where you can have do the fun stuff, right? When you can really make a difference in a short period of time, whether you're taking off four tenths off of a 40 in six weeks with the NFL combine guys, or you're adding, you're adding six inches to their max vertical jump. If they're an NBA guy or, or gaining size that you need to, to look and feel different on the court so that you can be uh, recruited by an NBA squad a little bit different, or it, it could be even as uh, simple as being a little bit faster so you can steal base a little bit better in the uh, MLB. So where do you think, I mean, as, you, as you've studied this, I mean, you've had, we've had an opportunity to work together. I've had a son that's had a, a number of injuries, and you've been able to develop individualized programs for him to be able to work, whether it be a reconstructed uh, ankle or uh, bilateral hip surgery. You work a lot with athletes as they're coming back on the mend as well. So talk about the rehab part that an athlete has to go through when they've had a significant injury. Injuries are a big deal, right? And that's kind of where strength and conditioning is heading is trying to fend off as many injuries as you can. Obviously, you're never going to be able to fend on them all off. Contact injuries are, are unavoidable and, and you're going to have to deal with it, right? So if you have a, a twisted ankle because you stepped on somebody's foot, that's something that you have to really pay attention to the whole kinetic chain, right? soon as I twist my ankle, my glute's not going to want to fire. It's going to want to start shutting down. So I got to pay attention to that as that's going. And it all you're always looking at different ranges of motion. Whenever you take all these injury data points and you need to modify exercises so that they can keep progressing, it's a big deal, right? If, if somebody can't do a back squat, what else am I going to do? Am I going to be able to do a hex bar deadlift? Am I going to be able to do a front squat? And having all these different modifications based on whether it's a, a wrist injury, a hip injury, an ankle injury is a big deal. And it, it's always um, free flowing, right? It's not always the big injuries that you have to pay attention to, but it's those, those small ones that might only last a few weeks. If you can keep progress headed forward, then those injuries will then be mitigated so that you can keep moving forward and keep progressing, whether it's gaining athleticism and change of direction, speed, vertical jump. So, but the main thing is really keeping them in their sport, right? If they, if they can't get out on the court and practice the thing that's most skillful, like a, a jump shot or, or their handles on the basketball court or be out on the field and run a full route, then it, the rest of it really doesn't matter. So how do you work with the coach? I mean, you've, you've talked basically about the athlete 
how do you integrate the coach's philosophy with your philosophy so that the both of you are aligned with uh, what the athlete's needs are and what the coach thinks the needs are? How, yeah. do, you, how do you do that? It's, it's definitely a holistic model, right? Uh, the, whenever you're dealing with a pro athlete or a high level athlete, there's going to be a lot of people in their entourage, not only from the personal side, but on the coaching side as well. Their main coach is going to be their sport coach. That's the person that's going to be their right hand man. And it's always if in a team environment, their team is going to be number one, but that individual is going to always want to progress. And that individual is going to be important to the team. I have to really work hard to, to make sure that, me and their sport coach are on the same page as well as the rest of the support staff from the athletic trainer to their nutritionist to their sports psychologist and the whole nine. If we're not all on the same page and being able to help out the young man, it's not going to go anywhere. But on the specific physical side of it, it working with the sport coach. So if, if they're having a, a basketball practice and, and an athlete needs to condition that day, but they can't physically do it because of some injury, then it's going to come up to me to be able to take over some of those reins and make sure that they progress and they're able to play the, the minutes that the coach is asking them to play. If me and the coach aren't on the same page, then their performance isn't going to be highlighted. And it's always an exchange of ideas. And that's always the most fun part is really exchanging ideas with the coach on, hey, if they gained a little bit mobility in their shoulder in this direction here or a little bit more mobility in their hips so they can sink, sink a little bit deeper it's going to change the outcome of what their specific skill is so that they can be a lot better for that coach in the situations they need them in. When you think about two or three opportunities you've been given where you really feel like you've made a difference with either an individual or a team, why don't you talk to our audience about that? One of the biggest differences I've, I've made is actually over my shoulder is uh, – Tiana Bartoletta, she ended up winning gold medal in the 2015 World Championships and the 2016 Rio Olympics. And what she, event? And the long jump, women's long jump. When she came to us, she had a little bit of an injury that we had to work around, and we had to really work very, very hard to, to get her back. And we always had to modify things. It was always an exchange of information. Hey, how are you feeling today? What's happening here? Can we do this? Can we do that? And it even came to the point where we were working really hard that the uh, biomechanist from track and field, Dr. Mann, came down and, and challenged us, hey, we need to get this time on the ground from 0 0.08. We need to try to get that lower. Is there any ideas that you have, anything that you can try with Tiana to try to get that time down? And we worked our butt off. Uh, I don't know if we really ever achieved it, but it, it got a, eventually she got a few gold medals out of it. And that was really fun. Part of my uh, time down here at IMG, we really got a lot of people that were very banged up, whether it was after the season, after a national championship, coming in with torn pecs and missing this, missing that on crutches. It got to kind of put them back together in a very short time so that they can try to be uh, drafted, whether it's in the NFL or NBA and, and perform the way the coaches are, want them to perform on that day, on that combine day making a difference in those guys' lives was a, was a real treat. That's for sure. And it, it was always a hustle and bustle, right? Uh, dark, dark to dark kind of situation. You've had people that you've worked with have gone on to your larger jobs. Why don't you talk about, you know, some of the graduates from IMG, where they, where they've gone to. 
one of the first guys that I ever worked with at IMG was Dwight Powell, and he's a phenomenal individual. He was he was highlighted as potential pro material when I first met him because of his size, right? He had great anthropometrics, and it was kind of my job to help build that strength because he was an adolescent athlete, right? He was 15, 16, 17 years old when I met him, and, and we had to build him over the next couple of years. He ended up going to Stanford. One of the things the the strength coach at Stanford said that said that he, we did a great job with his strength training when he went there. Obviously, he spent a, he finished his degree at Stanford and and now he plays uh, in the NBA with one of our other standouts, Josh Green, um, both for the Mavericks and they they had a pretty good run in the the playoffs this past year. Josh is a phenomenal individual and and he did a great job here at IMG Academy. Just stellar work ethic in the weight room and and pushing through pain and, and really communicating whenever they, he needed help. And, and we did a great job of uh, building him up over the years between myself and a few other coaches on staff like UJ and, and Tyler, the athletic trainer. I was also referring to Steph, people that have gone on the jobs, not just oh, the athletes. Yeah. You, people have graduated. I mean, you've had people have gone, you know, all different areas. So, Talk a little bit about that so our audience understands the scope and the magnitude of what people that graduate from your role will go on and do. So we've had a, a few great coaches. One of the coaches just got the job at University of Kentucky basketball, Brady Welsh, a fantastic young coach. He came in here for us and did a bang up job. He, I would like to think that I mentored him a little bit, but he's always got a fire in his belly uh, as he's going along. He ended up going from here to Temple, did a great job at Temple, went to Purdue and, and was doing such a great job there that he got identified by University of Kentucky to be their next strength and conditioning coach. Along with uh, outside of basketball, the next place would be uh, University of Alabama. Uh, Dave Ballou is over there and he ran our football program for quite some time and he brought some really innovative ideas using the elite form system, uh, looking at velocity and, and rate of force development to, to really enhance the athlete. Um, him with one of our sports scientists, Dr. Matt Rea, who's actually now at the New Orleans Saints. Um, he was with Dave Blue over at Alabama. They, they were a fantastic duo and, and it was a lot of fun working with them. Actually, uh, Matt Rea helped me out a lot in understanding the uh, EMG side of it, electromyography. Uh, on the sequencing of what the hamstring and quad and that really helped out with some of the track and field work that I did with the sprinters and the jumpers some of the other guys we had a I had a boss Jason Novak probably the best uh, head of strength conditioning that I've had here at IMG Academy he actually left uh, in just under a year he went to Michigan State University as the uh, head strength conditioning coach there and he's an unbelievable human being probably a one of the best strength coaches that I've ever seen. So I'm really interested to see when Dave Ballou and Jason Novak bump heads against each other here in the playoffs, hopefully. And then a really good friend of mine, Jay Butler, he's up there with Shiano at Rutgers. He's an amazing human being. He really helped me out a lot with some of the combine stuff that we did. So I was running the NFL combine class a few years ago and doing some sprint work out there and he was, he's helping me with the uh, top end speed stuff. And some of those memories, you just can't replace uh, working alongside those guys and, and learning and, and growing and then being able to apply it to all these uh, college kids that are trying to make it pro. 
What do you think in terms of your area? What are really one or two of the real state-of-the-art things that maybe a lot of people aren't even aware of? Well, we've already mentioned a few. Um, I think the really the biggest thing is going to be the EMG and, and how that relates to the force that you place into the ground. So there's a couple machines out there. One's called the Sprint 1080. The other's a Dynaspeed, and it's a string that can connect to the body. It tells you how much force each leg is putting into the ground and how much time that you're doing it. So it, it's really looking at, do you have asymmetries? But when you combine that with the internal part, right, the physiological, how do the muscles fire, it, it exponentially increases your ability to enhance that athlete, right? So if you already have, say, a Dodge Hellcat, right, how can I make a Dodge Hellcat faster? And that's really what we're trying to do with these athletes is I don't want just a Dodge Hellcat. I want to get the, the Dodge Demon. I want to have 900 horsepower out of these athletes. And that's what some of those technologies can really help you with. How do you deal with the athlete that isn't interested in, you know, they look at the weight room, they look at uh, development and all that stuff, and they just kind of blow it off? As, as much as I love science, right, science is my first love and being able to technically apply all the, the scientific nature of training athletes. One of those main skills that I developed over the last 10 years at IMG is, is really that soft side. How do you interact? How do you relate to the athletes? What are the things that they are interested in so that, that they can do what they need to in this space to get the most out of their God-given gift? And that's really connecting on their level, whether it's with music, uh, I've connected with real estate, and, and it just goes down those different rabbit holes of what is that athlete interested in? Can you push those buttons? Or, or honestly, sometimes you have to distract them, get them in a place to where they're having fun in a different way. And then they'll get the work in. Next thing you know, it's six weeks, eight weeks later, they're, they're producing records that they didn't think they could produce. And now they're bought in. But it, you have to connect with them in something else that they love that's not necessarily sports, that's not necessarily anything to do with what's going on on the team, but maybe something outside. And, and once you could find that connection point and, and really get it rolling, it makes for it makes that those weight room sessions fly, and the next thing you know, their their performance has skyrocketed. I know from my own personal experience, Steph, I've met a lot of different people in your area of work, and you personally helped me. I mean, I was diagnosed with neuropathy, had issues of being able to do things on my feet, and you were able to put together a program that has allowed me to maintain a, a high level of fitness. And um, you know, I've gotten to know you not just as a professional, but as a friend, and have seen the impact you've made on a variety of teams and people. So just for our audience to know, this is one outstanding leader who's been able to really capture this field in a way that he has stayed on the cutting edge of what's going on. A lot of people are in this area and they don't really study the new trends. Not only is he good at executing it, he understands the theory and can explain the theory. So, Steph, really appreciate you taking time to share your, your thoughts with our audience. And uh, thank you for taking time today to be with us. Yeah, thank you, Jed. Really appreciate it.